Amen. Thank you, ladies. You can't preach after that. You got to turn in your ordination certificate. Amen. Go do something else. That was a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miss Heidi and Miss Robin, for your ministry to us today. We genuinely appreciate it. Again, I mentioned strange passages of Scripture for Easter Sunday. Really, it is. Uh, but we started this series uh, 12 weeks ago, and uh, we've called this Lord Increase Our Faith. And uh, we started off with the explanation of faith, verses 1 through 3 in Hebrews chapter 11. Then we looked at the faith of Abel in chapter 4, and verse, verse 4 rather, uh, faith of Enoch, verses 5 and 6, and find out there that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now you can try and try and try and try in your own strength, and you can try some more and try some more, but you're never going to please God outside of faith in Jesus Christ. But the good news is Jesus Christ completely pleased God. And he will give that to you, amen. And so we looked at the faith of Enoch, looked at the faith of Noah uh, in verse 7, looked at the faith of Abraham in, in uh, uh, tw- two messages, actually. Then we looked at the faith of Isaac, the faith of Jacob, the faith of Joseph. We looked at the faith of Amram and Jochebed, that's Moses' parents. Uh, then we looked at the faith of Moses in two messages. And then last week we looked at the faith at Jericho. And uh, we, we talked about this, this uh, place of Jericho that we're actually going to be looking at a little bit more today. Today we're examining the faith of a woman named Rahab. Rahab. And she is called in our text, by faith, the harlot Rahab. We, we read Joshua chapter 2. We, we read the passage there in Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua 2, she hid the spies. In Joshua 6, that the spies keep their word and save her and her entire family. You know, she's also in the New Testament, Rahab is. It's very interesting, the passage. We're going to be reading this passage tonight as well. But Matthew chapter 1. Now, now listen again. You just got to be honest when you come to God. How many of you, with every intention, you, you think, and you don't have to say amen or oh me, you can just stand there and stun, or sit there and stun silence, amen. You get to read in your Bible, and you come to one of those chapters, and it says, and Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, and then you go, <laughs> listen. Be honest. I know, I know for some of us we say, oh no, it's, it's all the Word of God, and I, I just absolutely intently. Well, good for you, but the rest of us humans, amen, can come to some of these passages that are a little drier, but I will tell you this, there are truths to be found in those passages, and one of them has to do with this woman Rahab. It says in Matthew 1.5, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. That means that Rahab, after she was rescued, she married a man named Salmon, and they had a child named Boaz. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Then we find another reference in the New Testament in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 31, where we read. Then the other one is in James chapter 2, verse 25. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. 
uh, showing that her faith produced work. So let me start with, I think, probably what's on everybody's mind when you read a text like this. Number one, let's notice the sins before faith of Rahab. The sins before faith. Again, Rahab is referred to five times in the Word of God as Rahab the harlot. I think most of our children have been dismissed uh, to, to junior church. Uh, uh, listen, um, we, I think we all as adults understand what Rahab's profession was. She was in the business of selling herself, selling her body to make money. You know, the Forgive me, the theological liberals and modernists and Bible correctors have attempted to refer to Rahab as just an innkeeper, running a boarding house. While this is certainly part of it, it is not all of what the Bible says. Hebrews 11.31, the harlot Rahab. James 2.25, Rahab the harlot. Do you know the Greek word that that word harlot is translated from is the word porne. Again, I think most of us in the 21st century recognize that root word, porne, as in pornography. Ladies and gentlemen, she was no innkeeper. She ran a brothel. That's what she did and committed a parade of unmentionable acts that came within our doors. One may ask, what would cause one to become a harlot? May I, may, may I say, first of all, for some, they are far gone and not coming back. Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 28 says, They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. There are some. Proverbs 5, 5 says, Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of hell. Proverbs seven twenty seven. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. I, I think one could be far gone, but another could be someone that forsakes guidance. Hey, listen, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget those of us that know our Bible. In Luke chapter 15, we learn about someone called the prodigal son. And the prodigal son took his father's money and wasted his substance with riotous living. Did he have a good father? He most certainly did. By the way, the father in that passage is representative of God the Father. There is no better father. Why would someone go into this profession? Sometimes they're far gone. Sometimes they forsake guidance. And you know what? Sometimes they just forget God. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger, which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. I think also for some, they find gratification. Let us not forget, we've studied in this passage, this this, uh, uh, series, that the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Hebrews 11.25, Proverbs 2.18, For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths to the dead. There's pleasure in profit in this profession, sadly, however, a woman who engages in such a lifestyle choice will suffer at the hands of men. Suffer. And so something else that happens in, in this idea here of Rahab the harlot is it forms guilt, doesn't it? By the way, sin always forms guilt. Always. 
Sin by choice soon becomes sin by constraint. And some that would want to get out of this lifestyle feel that they can't. John 8.34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoso committeth sin is the servant of sin. And uh, I'm sure many of us have heard the old preaching outline from years gone by. Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. And sin always keeps you longer than you want to stay. By the way, it wasn't until the prodigal son came to himself in repentance that he came back home. But you know what? Some who go into this profession never do. Some never come back home. So the sins before faith. Then, if we could, let's go back to the book of Joshua, chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. And let's notice the start of faith for Rahab. Not only the sins before faith, but the start of faith. The start of her Where does her faith begin? We, we see it here in this uh, idea when the spies come and she has a conversation with the spies. And she says there in verse 9, And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Remember, God had promised this land to His people, but there were people, ungodly nations, who dwelt and lived in that land, and they weren't interested in giving it up. So she says there, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites, which were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there any neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now let me let me ask you a question. I know you know the answer to this, but did somebody walk up to them with a King James Bible and bring it into Jericho and said, Read this? No. No. But first How was faith formed in Rahab? The same way it's formed in you and I. Through the Word of God. Word got out about who God was and about what He had done. Uh, Can I tell you that there's word in here about who God is and what He has done and all God's people said. The start of her faith started with the Word of God. It seems obvious through her dishonorable profession that she had entertained some who had told them what the Lord had done. Listen to me, friend. If you're here today and you're thinking, well, I don't don't have a lot of faith. I, I maybe even have a little faith. not even sure. Here's what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you feel like you have small faith, I would encourage you to open this book. Break bread with the King of Kings. Amen? The Word of God is where her faith started. But then there's something that goes along with that. Not only the Word of God, but the Word of God produced something. And it is called, ladies and gentlemen, the fear of God. We don't hear much preaching on the fear of God today. 
There is not much fear of God outside of the church house walls. Sadly, for many, there's not a real fear of God within the walls of the church house. Uh, I came from a generation where my dad did not know God, but Brother Rob, he very quickly put the fear of God in me. Just one quick unlatch of the belt. And the next thing you know, I was at attention, and I wasn't even in the military. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. Are you going to do what I said? Yes, sir. Okay. I, you know, a small, we laugh about that, but isn't it true? I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Rahab quickly realized that God was not just some sky daddy. He wasn't the man upstairs. He wasn't just somebody just, just pouring out blessings with no judgment. He immediately, Rahab said, God is to be feared. And his fear has come over us here. And you know what he said, Brother Ken? He said, there is no more courage in us to be able to stand. Why? The fear of God. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of shallow conversions in people's life. People that think they are saved because they pray to prayer. I want to tell you something. If there's no conviction that you needed to be saved and that God was God, I question your salvation. I question your salvation. I'm not trying to get everybody to doubt their salvation, but I'm telling you this. According to the Bible, no conviction, no conversion. If you didn't realize what was going to happen to you if you didn't get saved. <laughs> the Word of God was the start of faith. Then it, it moved into the fear of God. And then, verses 10 through 11, we see the, in, in verse 21 as well, we see the belief of God. So there's the Word of God, there's the fear of God, and then there's the belief of God. If you look particular at verse number 21 there, love this. It says, she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. Why? Because they had told them that, that they had told her that God would be merciful. And that scarlet line went out. And by the way, it's a it's a sermon that could be preached uh, on that scarlet line that flows through the Bible, the blood of Christ. Amen. But that scarlet line was a token of her belief. That she hung that out the window. She believed in God's power. She believed in God's mercy. So the start of faith starts with the Word of God, moves to the fear of God, becomes the belief of God. So there's the start of faith. There's the sins before faith. Number three, there's the service of faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies. What, what was it that this faith that she had in God, what did it produce? See, listen, true faith, ladies and gentlemen, always produces works. Always. Now, you may not do all the things that you would like to do for the Lord, but I promise you this, if you truly know God and you truly uh, have been saved, you truly have placed your faith in Him, it will produce works. A good tree produces good fruit. 
And works are the fruit that falls off of the tree of faith. What did Rahab do? I'll tell you what, first thing she did was she received the spies. It says that right in our text. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, she received the spies. Joshua 2.4 tells us not only did she receive them, but she hid them. She hid them. She went up and they, they had the, the, the flax that was drying on the roof. She said, get under that and just be still. So she received the spies. She hid the spies. She sent the spies out. Remember that? She told them, go and uh, hide out and wait three days, and then they'll come back, and then you'll be able to get where you're going. And then, you know what else she did? She obeyed what the spies told her to do. First thing they told hang that scarlet thread. But then also they told her, listen, get everybody that's part of your family. When we come back, they better be in your house. Because if they're not, then we're, we're, we're free from the oath we made because we're going to destroy Jericho except for your house. So you get them in here. And you know what she did? Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen. She said, yes, sir. She obeyed. So the service of faith, she received the spies, hid the spies, sent the spies out, obeyed the spies. The start of faith, the sins before faith, the service of faith. You know what? It's really interesting when you read this in Joshua chapter 2. There's a stumble in faith, isn't there? Sometimes we read this passage in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, when uh, the, the king sent men in, into her house and said, where are the spies? And what did she do? Did she say, they're on the roof? They're hidden. She did what? She lied. Right? She lied. By the way, I love the fact that we're going to talk about David tonight and, and the, the, the matter of Uriah the Hittite, as it's called in the Scripture, when David committed adultery, had uh, Uriah murdered. I love the fact that God doesn't sugarcoat these instances. He says, this is what happened. This is what happened. Rahab lied. The stumble in faith. A lie is a lie. Would God commend her for lying? No. No. Why? Because God's the one that said, thou shalt not commit false witness. One of the commandments. Is God a God of situational ethics? No. God is not reduced to unholy acts to fulfill His will. Untruth cannot be vindicated simply because it is closely tied to a total result. Let us remember that this Canaanite harlot had just placed her faith in God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stumbled in your faith? Let's all start raising hands and confessing this morning. It would be the quickest way to get an Easter service to have everybody pour out the door. Amen. I'm out of here. Amen. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, we all stumble in our faith. We all have stumbles. Now, again, I'm a pastor. I've been saved now 27 years. I think as a Christian, if you're in your Bible and you're in church, the Holy Ghost lives inside you, you should be sinning less, but you'll never be sinless until the Lord calls you home. Then we won't have to deal with sin anymore. So there's a stumble here. She tells a lie. She tells a lie. It's not a justification, but rather an exhortation that he that's without sin let him cast the first stone, as Jesus said in John 8, 7. It's always easier to point a finger 
but it's always right to offer a hand up. Amen? So the stumble of faith, the service of faith, the start of faith, the sins before faith. How about this? The settlement of faith. How was Rahab's faith, how do we see Rahab's faith and how was it rewarded by God? You know, God does reward faith. He does. How was it rewarded? Well, I'll tell you what it says in Joshua chapter 6. She was delivered from destruction, just like the spies said. You're in the house when we come, and you remember, listen, you remember how the, the, the Israelites walked around the walls of Jericho, just like God said, and on that final day, they blew those trumpets, and those walls fell down, and they destroyed the city. They destroyed the inhabitants of the city, except for Rahab and all the family that was with her in her house. So she was delivered from destruction. But also, that God's settlement of faith was for her was she found a place amongst God's people. This is, this is, boy, when I think about this message on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, by Resurrection Sunday, you see these lilies here, uh, the, the, the hopeful flower, the flower of hope. Uh, just thinking about how dark and grim it must have been from Wednesday to Saturday when Jesus was crucified. How, how, how discouraged his disciples must have been. And then up from the grave he arose. And then he showed himself to them. And something changed on the inside. They got it. They got it. By the way, they still didn't get it right away. Remember the story of Doubting Thomas? Except I see the prints of the nails in his hand. Jesus said, okay, here you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Another time, it says that he upbraided them for their unbelief after he was risen from the dead. Here he was, already risen. So the settlement of faith is she found a place amongst God's people. Listen to Joshua 6.25. It says, Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. I'm going to tell you something about the grace of God. I'm, I'm looking forward to this summer on Wednesday nights preaching a, a short series, just seven messages on what's so amazing about grace. Just a, seven messages on grace. I want to tell you the grace of God. You listen to me. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, the grace of God is this, a woman who was a professional harlot became part of the people of God. Thank God. Thank God. We're, we're going to look at tonight at, at David and, 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 you know, again, we mentioned David's adultery and, and murder and trying to cover it all up. But you know, after that, David is called a man after God's own heart. After that. You know what that tells me? There's no sin that grace can't forgive. Except unbelief. Because that's the coverall. That's the coverall sin. That's, the, that's that sin that, that literally everything else hides behind. If you will come to Christ as a sinner... Just like Rahab, she didn't have anything to offer God, and yet she found a place 
amongst God's people. And then, as we mentioned, she became, not only do we find there a place amongst God's people and delivered uh, from destruction, but she became a giant of grace. They say, what do you mean by that? That passage we read in Matthew chapter 1. It says, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. She married this man named Salmon. Now again, think about the grace of God in this. Here's this man Salmon, and here's his friend says, You know who she was, don't you, in Canaan? And Salmon says, I know who she is in God. And she gives birth to a little baby named Boaz. If you know your Bibles, and I know many of you do, some of you could be new to uh, church and whatnot, there's a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Ruth. And ladies, it's God's romance novel. If you want to read a real romance novel, put that other trash away, amen. Read a real romance novel about Ruth. And Ruth was had lost her husband, and she came back with her mother-in-law, and they came under the influence of a man named Boaz, and he was a wealthy man. But you know what Boaz did before Ruth belonged to him? He made it his business to protect helpless, needy women. Now, can I ask you a question? Where do you think he learned to do that? From his mother who had suffered at the hands of cruel men. She said, Boaz, Boaz, when you get big, Boaz, when you get big, you take care of women who can't take care of themselves. You watch out for them. Listen, I have, I have two sons and a daughter. I always have said this for years. Somebody says something about your mom or your sister, you have your dad's permission to ball up your fist and punch them right in the nose. You say, you're a pastor. You shouldn't say things like that. Well, you pray for me, okay? <laughs> you pray for me. I want my boys to develop a manliness about the women in their life. You know, Rahab, she became a giant of grace. She was the mother of Boaz, who took care of Ruth, married Ruth, and both of them ended up in the lineage of Christ. Just amazing to think about. Not only a giant of grace, not only uh, when you think about delivered from destruction, not only a place amongst God's people, but she's found amongst the faithful. Let us not forget what Hebrews chapter 11 is. It's the hall of faith or the hall of the faithful. These are people that God has, for whatever reason, one day maybe he'll let us know, singled out for what they had done for him. And by the way, every one of them didn't do it in their own strength, didn't do it in their own power, they did it by faith. She's found amongst the faithful by faith. So the sins before faith, the start of faith, the service of faith, the stumble in faith, the settlement in faith, and I'll close with this today, the snapshot of faith. The snapshot of faith. Rahab is a great picture, a snapshot in the Scripture of 
the faith of a sinner who trusts Christ. See, Rahab believed the awful news of the coming wrath. She believed the awful news that God was going to come and destroy Jericho. Listen to me today. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, listen to me. The Bible says, he that believeth, in chapter 3 of John, verse 18, he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. We are all sinners, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone in this building is a sinner today. Some are not condemned because they have believed, and some are condemned because they have not believed. So she believed in the awful news of the coming wrath. She knew that God's purposes are certain and sure. Get this down. The Bible says this. The wages of sin is death. God says what He means and means what He says. The wages of sin is death. The payment that is required for sin is death. You can either pay that yourself or you can accept the payment that one made 2,000 years ago on your behalf. But either way, Brother Ken, it's going to be paid. So she believed the awful news of coming wrath. She knew that God's purposes are certain and sure. I love this. She realized that God was a great God, able to destroy or save. He had the power to do that. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, I'm going I'm to send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, I don't know about you, but I do know that sheep don't do well with wolves. Sheep are defenseless. But then Jesus said something to him in, in, in Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 28. He said, fear not them which can kill the body and can do no more. But fear him, which can destroy both body and soul in hell. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, Rahab here believed that God was a great God, able to destroy or able to save. Rahab also feared with great terror because of her sinfulness and the coming of judgment. See, this is the bridge that most people won't cross. It's okay that he's the Savior. It's okay that he died for the sins of the world, but you've got to realize he died for your sins. Right. Your sins. And I know, listen, we're, we're, we're not out here calling out your, your sins and my sins and all that, but you, if you are going to ever trust Christ as your Savior, I'm talking about truly trusting Him, you've got to come to that point where you recognize your own sinfulness. Recognize the fact that your sin is going to send you to hell. But what about him and what about him? No, 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 no. What about the mirror? That's the person that matters. That's the person that matters. So she believed in the awful news of God's coming wrath. She knew God's purposes are certain. She realized that God was a great God able to destroy her. She feared with great terror because of her sinfulness and coming judgment. I love this. She desired to be saved. I am so glad to report this to you today, that if you want to be saved and you want to trust Christ as your Savior, He'll save you. Brother Tom, I can't imagine what it is to be a Calvinist. 
I really can't. The Calvinists believe that some people are predestined for heaven and some people are predestined for hell, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Think about what it would be, Brother Cole, to be a Calvinist witness and walk up to somebody and say, God loves you, I think. Or maybe he does, actually, he might not. I'm, I'm, I'm backing away, I'm uh, using Brother Majors here. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Bible says God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. He didn't give him for some. He gave him that all could be saved. And you know what? She desired to be saved. You listen to me. No one who truly wants to be saved will ever be turned away. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. John 6, 37 tells us. She desired to be saved. She knew God was going to judge Jericho, but she said, I want to be saved. You know what she did? She cried for mercy, which included her family. Isn't that amazing? When she knew judgment was coming, she wanted her family to be saved. Some of you are here today because your family cares about you. They said, please come with me to Easter service. Please, please come to Resurrection Sunday. Please come to hear the Word of God. Listen to me. They're not doing that to spoil your good time. They're doing that so that if you're not a believer, so that you could make sure you're on your way to heaven when you die. Cried for mercy, in which she included her family. I like this. She took the means appropriated by putting the scarlet line in the window. You know what, in, in essence, she did? She did what she was told. I've told, I think um, Miss Angela and I and, and Brother Bill were talking about this a couple weeks ago. I was, I was in the office and we were talking about, you know, Pastor, have you ever had doubts about your salvation? You ever have doubts? I want to just tell you this. Every honest man has doubts. Thank you very much. You just, but anyway, I was, I was talking to them. I was telling the story of my wife and how my wife got saved. And my wife got saved at an eight year, as an eight-year-old girl in a camp in eastern Massachusetts. Hang on, let me, let me repronounce that. In eastern Massachusetts in a town called Cava, which we would pronounce Carver. But they, they forget the R's out there. And uh, she, it's just a little Christian camp called Camp Clear. And she got saved. And I remember she was saved at eight years old. And I didn't get saved until I was 23 years old. And so I said to her one day, I said, sweetheart, have you ever doubted your salvation? And she said, no up in the balcony laughing at me right now. I said, no. Well, Shannon, I was like, well, good for you. Must be nice, you know. Was, she's, this is what she said. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. It's a deep statement. She said, I did what the Bible said. If that's not enough, nobody's saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I come to him as a helpless, hopeless sinner, knowing I can't save myself, but knowing that he told me to call upon him, to believe on him, to trust on what he did for me on the cross, and I call upon him and ask him to be my savior, I'm saved. I'm saved. Say, what if you don't feel saved? Doesn't matter how I feel. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. She took the means appointed, hung that scarlet 
thread out the window. She did what she was told. And she trusted in the oath given to her and to her friends to shelter with her underneath. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it seems like God's prophetic clock has been wound up and sped up in these last 10 years. You know, I, I, I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm really not. I, I just, I don't think a Christian ought to live that way. Uh, you know, just hide yourself in a corner. And, and Christians are just supposed to engage people and, and uh, try to share the Word of God with them. But, you know, every day that passes by, every week that passes by, every month that passes by, every year that passes by is one year closer to the Lord right. returning. And then we read, you know, everybody wants, oh, the book of Revelation, you know, what about that? Well, I'll tell you what, we're in chapters 2 and 3 right now. We're about to turn to chapter 4 and 5, and then pretty soon this whole world's going to experience chapter 6 through 18. God's going to judge. And you can either take shelter in Jesus Christ or not. Now, I highly recommend the former. Why? Because Jesus stands here with nail-pierced hands, and the Bible says this, that He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to that faith that Rahab came to. And she believed God. And she said, you know what? I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to take shelter where God says to take shelter. It just so happened it was her house. You know, go back in the Old Testament. There was a time where it was the ark. Remember that in Genesis chapter 6 and 7? Everybody who gets in the ark will be saved. Did everybody who's getting the ark be saved? Everybody outside of the ark? No. Oh, there was another time where God sent fiery serpents into the camp and they, they bit the Israelites. They said, we're just going to put a serpent on a pole and everyone that looks at the pole will be saved. Everyone that chooses not to look at the pole won't be. There was a time where uh, we just studied it in, in our text here. The Passover lamb and the, the lamb was slain and they took that blood and they put it on the doorpost and the lentil and God himself passed through the camp and everybody that had the blood sprinkled there was saved and everybody that didn't wasn't. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this week we celebrated and I say celebrated. I say that very reverently. We celebrated what Jesus did on the cross. Why? Because the just died for the unjust. And he has made full payment for sin. You can either receive it or say, I don't need that. I don't want that. I can promise you this. You do need it and one day you'll want it. Eternity is too long to trifle with. We talk about eternity in heaven. Glory to God. Can't even possibly fathom what it is. Heard, heard an old preacher say, he said, you want, you want, a, you want a, a definition of eternity that maybe will make sense to us mere mortals? He said, imagine a bird taking one grain of sand from the Atlantic Ocean and flying all the way across the world and dropping that one grain on the Pacific Ocean. And then doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again. 
and imagine he was to take every grain of sand off the Atlantic Ocean and put it on the Pacific, the preacher said, it'll just be mourning in glory for eternity. That's a long time. As a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I plead with you, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you may know all about him, but if you have never personally trusted him, do it today. Do it today. The faith of Rahab, what faith she had, what an example she is to us. Father, thank you.